Thank you for worshiping so well. So four weeks ago, I stood in front of you with this hoe, and I asked the question, which I've been trying to answer for the last three weeks, and one more time, the fourth week. How can we cultivate a life with Jesus in the circus of distractions? And so for the past weeks, I've been trying to progressively speak into that and answer the question, how can we have a cultivated life that bears the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. How do we do that in a circus of distractions? So remember four years, weeks ago, we had all these screens on, we had screens on the platform, I had my phone, they were all going at the same time. And I'm trying to, do, to make a comparison. So to cultivate requires some work, some hard work, some physical energy to make something happen, to create soil so that something can grow. But a circus is a place where you go to be entertained. In the circus, there's all kinds of activity, all kinds of stimulation. It's loud and there's all kinds of stuff. We're just watching and just all over. And I was trying to make a comparison between the life of the spirit will require us to join with this. And we need to move away from being distracted. So that's what I've been trying to answer these past weeks. So let, let me just remind you, Jim, I'm gonna use the, the pictures if I may. So three weeks ago, we talked about the screens. And so the question I asked three weeks ago is, what is the source, what is the primary shaper of your spiritual formation? So may I just walk this through just a little bit? What we think about God, what we think about people, how we live our lives, how we engage in politics is all connected to whatever it is we are attached to. So week one, what is the forming person thing of your spiritual formation, because in week two, whatever that is, we become attached to. And using the, in the study of neural theology, I tried to just give you some sentences that whatever we attach to, our brains, our hearts, our person, whatever we attach to shapes how we live. So if, I'm, if I am attached to my screens, what happens? If my attachments are completely, sorry, if my attachments are primarily screen driven, I look at life a certain way. And then look at our culture, may I just ask, how are we doing in a culture where it is said, television screens, tablets, phones, the average American has a screen on in front of them at least 11 hours per day. So many of us need it for work. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We need it for work. But what about the two, three, four, five hours we don't need it for work? So what is shaping us, and then what are we attaching to? That was week two. So in week two, I had the picture of the prodigal son story. Real fast, the young man on his knees, that, those are undergarments. He is, he is not clothed. He is uh, no hair on his head, no hair on his face, absolute disgrace. One shoe is broken, one shoe is off, and he is engaged, attached to his father, who is welcoming him home. And I explained all what's behind that story. The brother on the right, now look at, look at, the, look at the images of both faces. Look at the father, look at the, son, the big son standing up. There's the same amount of light on both, but the brother on the right refuses to engage his father, nor accept his brother. And the story is fundamentally about 
being attached to the father. Because sometimes we're like the younger son. Sometimes we're like the older son. And we push now. But as we become people who cultivate a life in the spirit, guess who we start looking like? The father. So when people broken come to us, we, if we have the Father's heart, that fruit of the Spirit, we welcome. We welcome, no matter what has happened. And we even say to the older brother, because we are so attached to Jesus, we can say to those who are judgmental, condescending, angry, refusing to participate, but I love you too. So who forms us spiritually? What forms us spiritually affects what we're attached to. And last week what I tried to point out was, but we need, we have the opportunity as followers of Jesus to be attached to the Holy Spirit. And I got some pushback from men saying, I don't like this gentle Holy Spirit thing. Well, we've talked about the Spirit is fire, he's wind, he's power, he's all kinds of things. But using the story in the Gospels, when the Spirit comes down from the heavens and lands on Jesus, he comes in the form of a dove. And I quickly do the differentiation between a pigeon and a dove. 19 differences between pigeons and doves. One of which pigeons are dirty and loud and, and, and aggressive and they, and they can be trained. But a dove is quiet and timid and cannot be trained. So the, I'm trying to make a point that blessed Holy Spirit who says, keep in step with me, walk with me, be led by me, don't quench me, that one is sensitive and gracious. And so I use Galatians 5, 19 through 21, read through the passage, and what if there was sexual immorality happening in this room? What if there was lustful things? What about dissensions and jealousy and envy and all that stuff? And all that was happening in this room, and I said very quietly, don't be caught it. It all happened in us last week. But we have someone who welcomes us in spite of all that and says, would you let me form you? Will you attach to me in my spirit who wants to grow you up to be like Jesus? And so how, so week four now, the week four, I want to get at prayer. How? But before I do, I'd like you to look with me at the passage in John 15, which I read to you twice, two weeks, three weeks ago, and two weeks ago. And I'm going to change the word. And so Jim on the screen will be the words to John 15, 1 through 17. And I'm going to change just two words to try to reinforce what I'm talking about here. So I'm going to change the word love and fruit, and I'm going to change the word remain and attach. So let's read this passage now, talking about love, fruit, remain, attach. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no love. Well, every branch that does bear love, he prunes. Why? Purpose clause, so that it will be even more loving. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So attach in me as I also attach in you. No branch, no person can bear love by itself. It must attach in the vine. Neither can you bear love unless you attach in me. I am the vine, Jesus said, we are the branches. If you remain attached in me and I attach in you, you will bear much love. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That means loving. If you do not attach in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you attach in me, 
and my words attach in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much love, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now attach in my love. If you keep my commands, you will attach in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and attach in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything I've learned from my Father, i made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear love, love that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So what Jesus is saying to us is he wants to be the former, the form who we are, he wants us to attach. Now look at the level of attachment. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna be careful what I say, but adults, you'll follow me. So he says, if you attach in me, and I attach in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. So what I think many of us hear that to say, I pray, and I pray, and I pray, and nothing that I pray for happens. So this must not be true. But did you see what Jesus said? If you attach in me and I attach in you, so let me use a metaphor, the union between a husband and a wife. You attach in me and I attach in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. What's he talking about? In the place of attachment, you're hearing his heart. In the place of attachment, you're hearing his mind. In the place of attachment, you are so connected that when you pray, he is praying through you. What does Hebrews say? What does Romans say? He is interceding for us. He's praying. And he's asking us, attach, remain, be with me. So this is, this is why I just, I just go crazy nuts about this stuff. If, if, if our screens are the things that are driving our lives, this makes no sense. How... So the word love, interesting, the word love is agapao. There are four Greek words for love in the New Testament. The word is to will and do the good of another. So it is to will and do the good of another. It is to be so connected to the Lord that you're willing to do that. So that's what we're talking about. But how do we do it? We need the power of the Spirit, and I'm going to talk about in just a moment about prayer. So let me go after prayer now. I'm going to... Um, can I, can I, Jim, can I have uh, Ephesians 3, 14 through 21? And I'd like to do this again. I'm going to do a couple comments. I want to read this, and then I'm going to ask for two minutes of silence, like we've done the last few weeks. I want you just to listen. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? So this is a translation called The Message. It's a paraphrase. Uh, the, the author, Eugene Peterson, I think is one of the stellar uh, biblical interpreters of the last season. I'm reading Ephesians 3, 14 through 21 from a paraphrase. I want you to look for the words, be mindful of three things, strength, love, and power. So remember now, week one, 
What are we form? Who is forming us? What is forming us? Week two, what are we attached to? Week three, Holy Spirit, we want relationship, connection with you. Week four, so we pray. Here's the prayer. So he writes, my response is to get down on my knees before the Father. Now this, right there, the hearers would go, whoop, 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 whoop. How do Jewish people pray? If you've been to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, this is how people pray. They don't kneel. They never kneel. Or occasionally, the Pharisees would pray like this. You can only find in the Old Testament a few places where people kneel to pray. So when you knelt to pray, something significant was happening. Something really, really significant is happening. So he begins, my response to what? Everything he said in Ephesians 1 and 2 and 3. My response is to get down on my knees before the Father, this magnificent Father who parcels out all heaven and earth. Here, look at the word now. I ask him, ask him to strengthen you by his Spirit. Not a brute strength. They're sensitive. But a glorious inner strength. That Christ will live in you as you open the door of your hearts and invite him in. In the book of Revelation, Jesus says, stands at the door and knocks and asks, will you let me in? So that's what he's praying for. And he says, I ask that with both feet planted firmly on love, on agapao, on the willing to good of another, you'll be able to take in with all the followers of Jesus the extravagant dimension of Christ's love. Let me just talk about that for a second. How extravagant is his love? Well, he's going to go on and talk about, look at the leader, rise up, reach out and experience the breath, test its length, Plumb the depths, rise to the heights. That is called, in theological terms, the four magnitudes of love. So let me just walk you through it. A love that is wide enough to embrace the world. So we know this, we, we say this verse a lot. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, blah, 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 right? The word world is cosmos. How wide is God's love? He can embrace the physical planet and every person who's ever lived on it. How wide is that love? Was he praying? You'll be able to take in the extravagant dimensions. How much it is wide enough to embrace the world? A love which is long enough to last forever. Oftentimes, is it true? When our loved one dies, we think, oh, it's the chapter's ended, it's over. We've talked about this so many times in the last five years. Life does not end. Do you understand that when you say yes to Jesus, eternal life has begun? What did Jesus say in John chapter 11? Anyone who believes in me, even though they die, will live. For anyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Folks, you will never die if you're in Jesus because his love goes on forever. Well, there's more. How, how wide is this? How deep? It's high enough to reach to heaven. Think about this. This is just crazy. Think about this. Only one person who's ever lived, one person, one person, person of body, has been to the highest heaven, 
has come to the earth, has gone to hell, hell, has come back to earth and gone to heaven. And he knows, he has so much love, he says to people, I know the way to heaven. The love is so great, let me take you to heaven. So John 14, I know the way. The disciple says, Lord, where are you going? We don't know the way. Jesus, I know the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I prepared these for you. I know the way. That love is so bright. He brings us to heaven. Think about that. How wide, how full, how deep. Well, it goes farther. A love that's deep enough. Listen to this now. It's deep enough to go to the depths of brokenness, pain, sin, and hell. What does he say? You'll be able to take him with all the followers, the extravagant dimensions of Christ's love. So he says, reach out, experience it. Live full lives, full in the fullness of God. Next one, please. God can do, now, it's just, it's just crazy, because the, the word is doxa. He just goes nuts. He, he can't, stay. he just starts, he starts, God can do anything far more than you can ask or think or mope or man. He just goes off. It's just a run-on of words. And at the end, he just says, amen. He doesn't he know how to respond. Now watch. Who has formed this writer? To whom has he attached? What is the presence of the Holy Spirit? And now he says, do you understand the fullness, the awesome, incredible nature of what is offered to you, why do you get hooked on a screen? One more, a little farther yet. And then he ends like this. This is, this is Eugene, I gotta tell you about the last end of this. This is Eugene's paraphrase. Glory to God in the church. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. Glory down all generations. Glory through all millennia. Oh, yes. Eugene and then Dallas Willard translate amen like this. Woo! The Greek word is, it is finished. May it be so. It is done. It's a celebration. So what's he so fired up about? Well, let me take you to it. Can I have slide number six, please, Jim? Now, let's go through this passage. I'm going to use my NIV now because I want to just get a little, a little clearer on the direct translation of Scripture. So what is he praying for? Remember, no, what's forming us? Week one. Week two, what, is atta- what are we attached to? Week three, we have the Holy Spirit, and now he's teaching about praying for more. What's he praying about? Here's what. The powerful strength and presence of the Spirit. Verse 16. He writes in 16, I'm reading the NIV here. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Now, why is he praying about the powerful presence of the Spirit? He says his glorious riches. Now, this, this is what he's praying. Follow me now. He is praying that the powerful presence of the Spirit will open people up to recognize the riches of God's goodness, kingdom, and glory for them. That's what he's praying. Open them up, Lord. Give them the strength to see all that's available. Think about this now, if, if the love is, goes on forever, if it brings sinners to heaven, if it goes down to the depths, that, that, that magnitude, if, if you believe that. So this week, I was involved to be with someone who's, who's, who's dying. And uh, this person is um, um, religious, um, 
but has never, for me, exhibited uh, just a real sweetness and tenderness in the Lord, with the Lord. And some difficult stuff happened, and I sat with this person and just listened as a heart and eyes were opened to the goodness of the presence of the kingdom of God. And it was just like, it was just like this happened. He took off his shirt. I got to look into his heart. I got to hear his heart. And that's what he's, Paul's praying. He's praying that these people are going to be mindful of the, the presence of the Spirit to receive what's available. Let's go on. Look at the next slide, please, Jim. A permanent residence for Jesus. Look at the phrase here. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. A permanent residence. The word dwell is not... It is to make your home in. So he's praying that we first... And then he's praying that there is space in us for the spirit of Jesus to have room to live. So last week I used a phrase that some people push back with. The spirit cannot fill what has been defiled, meaning the sweet, sensitive spirit who loves so deeply just can't go into the mess. I told the story of my neighbor's friend who was dying of AIDS and I didn't know what to do and I just pulled back. Well, the sweet presence of the Spirit is not, you bunch of losers. It just, it's just gross. I, I use this phrase a lot. In the last couple of years, I've used this phrase. So this is me. I am more afraid of the fires of heaven than the fires of hell. What do I mean by that? When I get to see the actual purity and beauty and awesome presence of our God. I'm going to be in absolute terror-filled awe. There's only one thing, only one triple, triple word in the, in the Bible that speaks to the magnificence of God. Holy, holy, holy. And I talked to you with Leviticus 19 last earlier on, remember? That word includes all kinds of stuff, but it also includes agapao, love. And we get to see, when we get to see the fullness of our God, we're just going to go, the words of Isaiah, woe is me, for I'm an unman of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and I have seen the Lord. So he's praying that we will understand that this incredible Jesus wants to, by his spirit, he wants to live here, 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 in us. He wants a relationship with us. Well, let's go on to the next one, please, Jim. The realization of the magnitude of God's love, and this is verse 18, and I've already alluded to it. You may have power together with all Lord's holy people. Now look at that phrase. They have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, why, why am I emphasizing that? Because the, 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 the New Testament says we are one body. So if we take that metaphor seriously, 
Every single one of us who is in Christ is part of the body of Christ. And what's he praying? That everyone, everyone realizes the magnitude of this love. So what's going to happen? New heaven and new earth. So let me keep messing with you. You'll relate to every person when Jesus returns and makes all things right and new. Most theologians suggest, believe, that we will relate to every single person in this new heaven and new earth with a oneness that exceeds any oneness you can have in marriage. There will be a fullness of love. And he is praying that all the believers, plural you, in fact, I just say this, in the book of Ephesians, there is not one singular Y-O-U, not one. He is praying that those who are spiritually formed by Jesus, who are being attached by the Spirit, who are mindful of the Spirit's work, are praying for the fullness of recognition of who our God is and what he's offering us. And then he's saying, this is how big and broad and it goes on and on and on and on. Let's go on. Next slide, please, Jim. And then he says in in verse uh, 19, he says what? To know this love that surpasses knowledge. Gnosko. It's not know here. Let me me get in the play with you. It's not just no here. So if I, if, I, if I just say, let's talk about the cross of Christ. How many people have heard sermons, talks, read books about the cross of Christ? All of us, right? How many times has knowledge of the cross of Christ moved your heart closer to Jesus? The doctrine of the Trinity, the circle of love, which we will hopefully, Lord willing, talk about in April and May of this year. This incredible circle of love, Father, Son, and Spirit, one and three, three and one, this incredible, we are invited into that at new birth. Do you understand what that means? That's why St. Paul writes, nothing can ever separate you from that love because you're in the circle of love. So we're just, we're 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 so busy with so many things and, and lots of good things. But what if the main things the most important things, the things that last forever, what if that becomes our priority? What if we become people who are being formed by God's word and God's spirit and brothers and sisters? What if we're being attached to the one who is loving beyond comprehension? We're being filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over and we're praying for the goodness, the fullness of all this to be ours, experience it. We experience it. So, I'm going to be kooky again. This, this is how kooky I am. So, I'm, 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 I'm practicing what I'm preaching here. So, this, this is my, I have it out with me all the time. So, this is what I'm praying. Lord Jesus, dazzle me with your beauty. Abba, Father, Daddy, grant me a work of the Holy Spirit to love Jesus like you do. Lord Jesus, grant me the grace to be one of your friends. Mary, 
Martha, Lazarus. I'll get kookier. Lord, could I become one of your, quote, best friends? Lord, I want to enjoy you and relish your presence with me. Feeling and experience your love, Lord, is a daily goal. That's what he's praying about. Lord, give them your spirit so they can have the mind, the strength to embrace this incredible, incredible, incredible love. And then what does he say? What's the next one? He says, filled all the fullness of God. Can I have a glass, Lane? Can you throw the glass to me? Just throw it up. Throw it. Can I throw it? Okay. Can I tell you a funny story first? There was a wedding back in the old church. And uh, when the fans and air conditioners would go, the candelabra would all get blown out. So we're in a wedding with a particular family. And for a reason I do not know, as I'm praying before the ring, ring the, the, uh, the vows and the rings, I look up and the dad holds up a lighter because the candelabra had blown out. And he throws it at me. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Filling to all the fullness of God. So I want you to think about that now. Can you, let, me read it, let me read it so you hear it all. Ephesians 3. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you, plural, may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So how big is God? So what does it mean to be filled to all the measure to the fullness of God? He's praying for this, for us, for all of us, to be filled. What does it mean? Come with me to the ocean. So let's pretend this is the Pacific Ocean here. And Nate and I are standing at the ocean, and we're looking at this immense, it just goes on forever. And I've got a little glass. So I go to the, go to the water's edge, and it fills up. And my cup is filled to the fullness of the ocean. But it's not the fullness of the ocean. And what our Lord wants to do is keep expanding our capacity. Keep expanding our capacity. That we can be filled to the fullness of God. And Paul just goes, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or think or hope or imagine. To him be glory in the church throughout all the ages. He's just going, oh my. It's incredible. It's incredible. So four weeks ago, I asked you, who or what is forming you spiritually? Three weeks ago, I asked, to whom or what are you attached? Last week I asked you, are you open to receive the fullness of the sensitive Holy Spirit? And this week I'm asking, are we willing to pray for it? See, this isn't about rules and regulations. This is all about a relationship. And we can't, we just can't grasp the love of it. But is this fair? But in place, times and places of tragedy 
and loss and death and pain. Somehow, is this fair true? The eyes of our hearts can be opened. And we can see and we can experience the more of what God offers us. But his prayer is not it's going to take tragedy. He's praying for that now. That we can be filled with all the fullness of God. But he pushes him. But if I'm on my screens 11 hours a day, I ain't attached. And I've got a pilot light of the Holy Spirit on when he wants to set me ablaze. And I'm certainly not going to be praying for more. More of the kingdom. More love. More grace. More power. So let's now take two minutes. Could you listen? What is the Lord nudging you What are you thinking about? What are you, quote, hearing? Two minutes and then we'll talk. On your marks, get set. If you're able and if you're willing, if you're able, if you're willing, could it, with appropriate social distancing things, um, what were you hearing in the silence? What did you experience in the silence? Let's take two minutes. What did you hear? What did you experience? If you don't want to do it, no problem. On your marks, get set, go.
Thank you for sharing with each other. Thank you for listening. Thank you for praying. I'm going to offer a prayer for all of us. And if you'd like to receive the more from the Holy Spirit, would you just open your hearts and avail yourself? Let's pray. Lord, we want to become more like you. And so for all or anyone in this room who longs to receive more of your presence, more of your goodness, more of your holiness, more of your love. May I pray with a quiet confidence in these next 10 minutes, you will do more than we can ask or think or hope or imagine. And as you respond to your children, we pray that we would become more like you and you'll be given glory and honor and praise. Let's pray the prayer together that Jesus taught his brothers and sisters and friends. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.